off with about a beautiful trip I took one time. I guess one of the most luxurious trips I ever took. As you know, I travel a great deal, and I am, I've traveled, I'm sure, as much as most anybody alive as far as number of miles per year. But one time I took a trip I'll never forget. I guess of all the trips that I took, it was the most enjoyable trip or perhaps the most beautiful of conveyances or one of the most beautiful. I, uh, <clears throat> it was all things a train trip. I, uh, I haven't been on a train in a long time, but I used to take a lot of train trips. And back before flying became so popular, I, uh, I used to, and before I had so many miles to travel between engagements, I used to dr- ride on trains a bit. But I guess the most, one of the most beautiful of all trips I ever took in my life was on a train. I got on the train, and they put me in a car. Uh, uh, I wasn't exactly, uh, but it's, it's been some time ago, it wasn't exactly what you'd call a bedroom car or a, what do they call roomettes. Um, but it's sort of a lounge-like car. The seat, the, the seat that I had was a swivel seat, and in sort of a, well, uh, a lounge or living room kind of style or parlor style, one of the most beautiful cars, chair cars, on which I had ever ridden or which I've ever seen. And then you, <clears throat> you walked into the next car and up some stairs, and there was a sun deck where you could go for a while. And especially if you wanted to in the daytime, you could, the sun could shine. You could look out and uh, see the, the stars at night. It was sort of a, a oh, at last kind of a top, beautiful thing. And uh, I went up, looked at the stars uh, through the sun deck, and then early the next morning I saw the uh, sun up and so gorgeous place and uh, then they had uh, a lounge car a special lounge car and that was where they would serve you liquor of course I didn't drink any but I went up and got me uh, something soft to drink and and had some uh, little tidbits uh, on which to nibble I uh, don't think I've ever been treated with the, any more royalty than I was treated on that uh, which I was treated on that trip Bedtime came, and a porter came and said, It's time for me to make your bed. Well, I'd never done that like that on an airplane before, and he made my bed. It was a Pullman car. And uh, while I was sleeping, he shined my shoes. Literally. I put my shoes at a certain spot. Place said shoes. I thought you, where you kept the shoes. But there's another door on the outside into the hallway. I didn't know that, that you, I come steal my shoes on the outside. But the porter came, opened the door, and shined my shoes during the night. Such luxury I had never known. Time came to eat uh, before the, I went to bed. Went to, went to eat to the diner. Anybody ever eat on a diner? You know how luxurious it is to eat on a diner. I guess of all the luxury in the world that I've ever enjoyed, a diner to me seems the most luxurious. There you're sitting on a train, and uh, <clears throat> there was a guy sitting on a train one time in a diner. There's a Catholic priest right across the street. And the air conditioner went out on the train. It was the hottest day I'd ever seen. I was going down in South Texas somewhere, hottest day I'd ever seen. And the priest and I had been doing a little uh, disgusting, to say the least, and that is the least to say, about uh, certain things. And so uh, I had told him, it was, uh, I'd rather be a preacher in a day than a priest, and I had told him, why do you wear that garb for? And so it got so hot, I looked down at the floor, and he had taken his britches off. They were lying beneath him on the floor. And, of course, he had his gown on over, over his britches, and he said, you can't do that. That's one advantage to being a, a priest or being a Baptist preacher. <laughs> and I said, you're right. I'm not going to take my britches off, but thank God I wear britches all the time. And uh, so, anyway, 
Uh, this, this was a magnificent trip. I was in the nicest chair car in which I'd ever been. Uh, that beautiful, beautiful uh, sun deck with a dome-like thing uh, in the next car. A delicious meal on a diner with a clickety-click of the, of the uh, wheels and the tracks and so forth uh, going along. And eating a steak, yes, a steak. Delicious meal on the diner. And then uh, after I got the next morning, went to the diner again, had a wonderful, wonderful meal. Went out on the sun deck and saw the sun rise first and then had a delicious meal in the diner. What a trip. What a beautiful uh, car. What a beautiful train. What a wonderful, wonderful trip. But next morning, <clears throat> they said, uh, we're coming into San Antonio, Texas. And we came into San Antonio. And the next thing I knew, I was on a bus going to Fort Sam Houston, Texas, be inducted in the United States Army. Now, I'd rather take a lousy trip to a good place myself than take a good trip to a lousy place. I uh, Wonderful, wonderful train. Gorgeous train. Beautiful diner. Wonderful facilities. Restful sleep. Delicious steak for dinner. Beautiful uh, uh, dome. Uh, sun deck kind of a car. Tremendous lounge. Delicious treatment. Shine my shoes and everything. <clears throat> but uh, the destination was not quite so pleasant. And uh, I ended up in Fort Sam Houston, Texas. But there's something I did not know where I was going. They did not tell me. They put me on this train in Dallas, Texas, and I had no idea where I was going. Somebody said, we're going to Fort Ord, California. I didn't know. It was dark. Uh, somebody said, we're going to go to uh, um, uh, Fort Hood, Texas. I didn't know where I was going to go. Somebody said, we're going to go to um, I think Camp Bowie out in West Texas. I didn't have any idea where I was going to go. had no idea where I was going. All I knew was it was a wonderful, wonderful trip. But after I'd finished the trip, I wish I hadn't gotten on that beautiful train. That's exactly what uh, the author is teaching us, God is teaching us in Ezekiel 27. Ezekiel 27, our Lord likens the king of Tyre and the country and the city of Tyre to a beautiful ship. He says that, um, that this ship is the most magnificent of all ships, and he's likening this to our lives. I'm talking to folks this morning, having a wonderful journey on your way to hell, having a big time, but you don't know where you're going to go. There are folks right here today who are traveling in luxury. I mean, you're driving Cadillacs maybe, and you're, or you're living in beautiful homes, and you're, uh, you're the last of the great spenders, and you have everything that money could buy, and thrills and delight. You tip the cocktail to your lips and have an exciting thrill, or you go out into immorality and have those thrills and sensuous feelings that come through giving your body again and again to different people and live in sin, and oh, what a good time you're having. But you better look and see where the destination is. You might be sorry, like I was, that uh, you took got, got on the on the the the, uh, uh, the train when you find out where the train's going to go. And so our Lord takes a beautiful ship here, and He's talking to the King of Tyre, and He says, to "The King of Tyre," He says, "You're just like somebody that boards a beautiful ship." Now He describes the most beautiful ship that He that you can imagine, and especially in the terminology that the people of Tyre can understand. He said, the boards on this ship are fir trees from Senir. Now, Senir was a special spot on the top of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is a special, beautiful mountain, the highest spot in all of Canaan, I guess, on the northwest side of the beautiful Sea of Galilee or the Lake Gennesaret. You can get on the Sea of Galilee and look back and see that beautiful white top of Mount Hermon 
Now, there was one little spot on Mount Hermon that was called Sinair. And in, in that, that little spot of Sinair was a little clump of fir trees that were the most exclusive coveted fir trees in all of Canaan. Now, these fir trees were used for woodwork in Solomon's temple. They were used for spears and musical instruments. They had a fragrant smell. They were used for cabinet work in the richest of the homes in Canaan and in Israel. These were the boards of this ship. And so God said uh, uh, through Ezekiel to the king of Tyre, he said, uh, I want to show you a beautiful ship, so beautiful that the boards are made from fir trees, but not just fir trees. Those exquisite fir trees, those exclusive fir trees on Senir, on Mount Hermon. Then he said not only that, he had the boards on the ship, he said the mast. We're going to make the mast from cedars of Lebanon. Oh boy, that was really something. Cedars of Lebanon were used for timber, for palaces. Solomon built his house with cedars of Lebanon. The temple was built, much of it, with cedars of Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon were used in ceremonial services. They were also used in cemeteries. Very, very exquisite uh, 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 wood, the cedars of Lebanon. Now, God said to the king of Tyre, You're like a man that gets, builds a ship, and he has uh, the, the boards from the beautiful fir trees of Sinai. And the masts of that ship are made with the cedars of Lebanon. Then he said, the oars are made with oaks from Bashan. Now, the oak was the strongest of trees. Did you know, for example, that the oak, the word for oak in the, in the Hebrew was alan, uh, alan, A-L-L-O-N. It is the same word of Allah, which is the word for God. It means the strong one. They looked at mighty oak and named that oak after God himself. And they said, uh, Alan, Alan. And some folks would even worship the mighty oak tree as a false god uh, because they thought that something that strong and that great must have something, some connection with deity. And so these oaks, from these oak trees of Bashan were made the, uh, the, the oars. <clears throat> All right. He said, this ship has boards made of firs from Senir. It says, he said, this ship has a mast made of cedars from Lebanon. He said, this ship has oars that are made with oaks from Bashan. And then he said, the benches around this boat are going to be ivory from Chittim. Now, the place Chittim here is also called Kittim. I think it probably means Cyprus. Some folks think it means India. But the ivory that was used, that he's talking about here, is basically ivory that was taken from the tusk of an elephant or a hippopotamus, or a walrus. And these, the tusks from these animals, were used for ivory. Uh, by the way, they brought in, uh, in, they brought in Solomon's ships, many of them from India. They're, they made a throne for Solomon of this very ivory. Solomon's throne was made from this very ivory. Remember, remember the, uh, the uh, <clears throat> statement in uh, Amos chapter 6, says, Woe! to the people because they're at ease in Zion and they lie on beds of ivory. They made beds of this ivory. And in some rare cases, they made expensive homes covered in this ivory. Now, when somebody, we say, we say boy, she's dressed, dressed in silk and satin. Or, boy, uh, he drives a Cadillac. Or, boy, look at the diamonds uh, on her. Ivory was a status symbol. So here's a beautiful ship. And that ship has boards made of fir trees 
from cedar. And that ship has mast made of, of, of uh, cedars of Lebanon. And that ship has oars made of oak from Bashan, Bashan. And that ship has benches made of ivory, perhaps from India. What a ship! What a beautiful ship. And then it says, uh, linen from Egypt and fabrics from Elisha, E-L-I-S-H-A-A, which means Italy. Fabrics from Elisha, or Italy. Now get this. Here's a ship with the boards made of fir trees from Mount Hermon and the uh, mast made of cedars from Lebanon and the oars made of the best oak from Bashan and the, uh, the benches made of ivory from India. And, uh, and uh, they used linen from Egypt and fabrics from Italy. And then he said no to that. On this ship, we're going to have the best mariners we can find. We're going to have mariners from Arvad. That was an island of giants. Strong, husky mariners. Giants, if you please. They said we're going to have some sailors from the Zidonians. Ah, oh, the Zidonians were the best sailors in all the world. They were known for their being good sailors. The best sailors. They said we're going to have some mariners from the uh, Gamadines. They were courageous people. Now, God said, look. He said, look, people, I want to show you a beautiful ship. It's the kind you're traveling on. The boards fur, 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 are furs from uh, Mount Hermon. And the masts are made from the cedars of Lebanon. And, um, and the oars are made with oaks from Bashan. And the benches are made with ivory from India. And the decoration is of linen from Egypt and fabrics from Italy. And I'm going to choose for this ship the strongest, the most courageous, and the wisest of all the mariners you can find. What a ship! And then God goes a little further along and He says, He says, That ship, so beautiful, He says, Thy roars have brought thee into great waters. The east wind hath broken thee in the midst of the seas. Thy riches and thy fares, thy merchandise, thy mariners, thy pilots, thy caulkers, and the uh, occupiers of thy merchandise, and all thy men of war that are in thee, and all in thy company which are in the midst of thee, shall fall in the midst of the sea in the day of great ruin. God is saying, what difference does it make how convenient and comfortable your life is if you die and go to hell? What difference does it make what kind of ship on which you're traveling if the dark night's going to come? And the storm is going to come. And the lightning flashes. And the thunder roars. And the wind comes through. And all of a sudden, a shipwreck takes place. It won't matter when the ship is wrecked, whether you had wood from or boards from Cedar or Mount Hermon or not. It won't matter in the storm whether or not you had uh, oak from Basham for oars. It won't matter in the storm whether you had uh, uh, mast made of cedars of Lebanon. It won't matter in the storm, whether you had benches made of ivory from India. It won't matter in the storm whether you had uh, uh, <coughs> fabric from Italy or linen from Egypt or mariners who are wise and strong and uh, courageous. It won't matter. He said you won't care while you're dying what kind of ship you traveled in. It won't matter while you fall and that ship crumbles what it was made of. The only thing that will matter is where you're going. And it ends in bad waters, and a storm rises, and if you, it doesn't matter. Ladies and gentlemen, all Satan ships are like that. All Satan ships are like that. Young people, all the devil ships are like that. Men, all the devil ships are like that. Women, all the devil ships are like that. 
Every ship that Satan owns knows no good harbors. Satan's ships always are beautiful. The most beautiful commercials you'll find are Satan's commercials. But they're beautiful ships which end in shipwreck. All the taverns you'll find are beautiful. And the, and the beer may be exciting. And the women may be exotic. And the dope <clears throat> may be lifting. And the uh, rock music may be inspiring. But every ship the devil owns in his entire fleet knows not where it's going and knows no good harbors and no good destinations. Last, <clears throat> last Sunday evening, after the service, I went to my office and the line was there a mile and a half long, it looked like. I know I stayed here till almost midnight. But I, um, I was um, uh, looked out in the line and saw a young lady whom I love very much. She grew up in this church. She's uh, married now and moved away to another state. I recall the hopes and dreams I had for her. I recall the counseling sessions I had with her. I recall all the advice I gave to her about her future. But in spite of all I said, she decided she wanted to get on the devil's ship. Ah, she looked at the devil's ship and she said, Look at those boards. They have the finest fur. She looked at the devil's ship and she said, Look at those masks. The most beautiful cedars make those masks. She looked at the devil's ship and she said, Look at those oars made of the strongest oak known to man. She looked at Satan's ship and she said, Look at those decorations. Look at those benches of ivory. Look at the linen from Egypt. Look at the, uh, the uh, fabric from Italy. Look at those strong men on that ship. And this young lady, like far too many young ladies do, decided to get on the devil's ship, not caring where it went. She got in the wrong crowd. She married the wrong kind of fellow. She forsook every teaching her pastor taught her, every teaching that we taught her for these years, though she grew up from infancy in this church. Last Sunday night she was here, back for a visit. She came to my office. I said, I'm so glad to see you. She said, Brother Howes, just came by to tell you I love you. That sounded like she always was. She used to come by and say, Brother Howes, I love you, and I'm thankful you're my preacher. And uh, I said, Have you moved? are you moving back to the area? She said, yes. I said, wonderful, wonderful. I want to meet your husband. She bowed her head, and she said, he's not coming. And then I knew what it was. I said, you mean? She said, that's right. She said, I didn't listen to what you said. Beautiful ship. Lights on the ship are beautiful. Ah, oh, the clanging of the glass of liquor. They look, sound mighty good. And the touch of the red wine to your lips. Ah, oh, what excitement. And that rock music that, that goes inside your bones and gets inside your nerves and gives you excitement and thrill. How wonderful! Ladies and gentlemen, before you board that ship, you better look up and see where it's going. You better look up and see the destination. She did not know that ship was going to lead her with a broken hole. She did not know that that ship was going to leave her someday in the harbor of loneliness. She did not know that at the tender age, probably of 20, 20 or 21, she did not know she'd be left with nobody to help her but the same preacher who tried to, to guide her years and years ago. And I told her, I said, when you get back, I'll help you. God knows I will. I'll help you. Oh, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The devil's ship is a beautiful ship, but it always leads to destruction. Music may sound beautiful, but it always leads to destruction. Listen, nobody will ever turn out right going the rock music crowd. Never will. Never will. Nobody will ever turn out right going the liquor drinking crowd. Nobody will ever turn out right 
going the immoral route. Those ships that the devil has in his harbor that look so luring and so beautiful, they end up with shipwreck and storm. You just give me that old ship of Zion that keeps going along. Maybe the wood's not as pretty as the wood of the devil's ship. Maybe the masts are not as strong as the mast of the devil's ship. Maybe the, the benches are not like ivory, like the devil's ship has. But blessed be God, the ship ends up in heaven. That's where I want to go. Now, you, I like, like old Sam Jones used to say, I'd rather ride a kitty car to heaven than ride an airplane to hell. And so the wise man Ezekiel said, as God inspired him, he said, You're just, and some folks in this room, dozens of you, right, right now, you've listened to the devil's temptation. You've listened to his publicity. You've seen his dirty lying advertisement. You believed it. You go with the devil's crowd and drink with the devil's crowd and curse with the devil's crowd and live in sin with the devil's crowd. I know, I know what it looks like. I know the lights are bright. I know the commercials are pretty. I know there's a thrill and a tingle for a moment. But you mark it down, ladies and gentlemen. You get on that ship and shipwrecks just across the, across the water. The storm's going to come. The night's going to come. The rough time is going to come. So many times I hear the same story. And you're a fool to stay on that ship. You're a fool. This building is not as beautiful as the devil has to offer. And uh, our signs out in front and our lights are not as beautiful as the devil has to offer. And I'll be quite frank with you, I'm no Johnny Carson myself, thank God. And I'm not in danger of, of unseating. Um, I'm trying to think of some famous movie star. The last one I went to see was... Buck Rogers. Um, uh, I'm not any... Uh, is there a Rick Newman movie star? Uh, uh, huh? Paul Newman. <laughs> Boy, you are crazy. You're an idiot. That's all it is to it. <clears throat> I'm no Paul Newman. I got for one. I'm no Rock Hudson. The only thing I have like Rod Hudson's, our hair is a great deal like. Both of mine look, look like all of his. Now, and, and, uh, and this book here doesn't have any centerfold in the middle of it, bless God. Amen. Sort of black. And the lights don't flash on and off outside at night. And the ship is not quite as comfortable as other ships. But while the beautiful ships are wrecking at sea, the old ship of Zion keeps on going. It keeps on going. I was in a taxi cab the other day down south. And the uh, taxi driver was cussing up a storm. He said, you know he's cussing up a storm because I was storming back in the back because he was cussing. And so I said, um, hey, I said, uh, are you a Christian? And he was insulting me. And he said, I'm an agnostic. Oh, I said, you know Greek. He said, what? I said, you just gave a Greek word. He said, what? I said, agnostic. I didn't know it's Greek. I said, you said you're an agnostic. I said, you know what the Latin word for agnostic is? No! I said, it's ignoramus. <clears throat> what it is. He said, Mr. I'll let you out. And I said, you won't get your money either. 
I said, you think you're smart saying you're an agnostic. I said, the same word for agnostic in the Greek means is ignoramus in the Latin. And I said, a person with an agnostic is an ignoramus. And a person that gets on the devil's ship is an ignoramus. And a person that, 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 that thinks he's going to end up good traveling on the devil's boat. I don't care how nice the floor is. I don't care how pretty the wood is. I don't care how high the masts are. I don't care how exquisite the linen is. I don't care how beautiful the fabric is. I don't care how lovely the ivory is. Every ship that ever has goes to hell. That's where it goes. Ends up in destruction and ruin. I beg you this morning, in God's dear name, don't you believe the devil flies. He's gotten on these little television boxes in our houses and put every kind of advertisement, advertised his wiles. I was reading an article <coughs> someone gave me just today about a, uni a university up in New York State, New York or New Jersey, one of those two states, a university, has now, they have a love room, a love room where you can go and have sex, students can, spend the night with each other. It's called a love room. That love room is reserved. You make reservation for it. Now, if you want to make love, illicit love, just reserve the love room. Let me tell you something, young people. That may look pretty nice on the outside for a while. Excitement of it. Ah, oh, that handsome man, that lovely young lady. Ah, oh, this, 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 this kind of a swinging life, it's the kind of life for me. There never has been, there never will be, there never can be anybody who gets on that ship and without ending up in shipwreck. Nowhere in the world. Beautiful ship, but it's wrecked across the way. Same thing is true with a nightclub life and the country club life and the tavern life and the life of sin, the selfish life and the free love kind of life. All of it, all of it has built a beautiful ship that looks good to the naked eye. A beautiful ship that sounds good to the carnal ear. A beautiful ship that smells good to the carnal nose. A beautiful ship that feels good to the carnal flesh. But out yonder across the ocean someday when the storms come and the night falls, that old ship's going to crumble and everybody on it. Years ago, <coughs> in a European country, there was a certain king and that king had what most Europeans king, kings had. He had what they called a court fool. We'd call it a court comedian. It was simply a very funny man, a la Red Skelton, a la Bob Hope, who was employed with the king to give performances, humorous, comedian-like performances for the royal family and so forth. And every... King hired one. It's called a fool. Uh, again, I say, we'd call it a comedian, but they called him a fool when the word, because he, he made, it was so, so humorous. Ah, oh, there was one king who had the best comedian of all. He had the Bob Hope of his day. He had the Red Skelton of his day. He was so proud of his fool. One day he called his fool in. He said to his fool, I want to give you my cane my scepter, my rod. He said, fool, I want you to take this rod and I want you to circle the world with it. And I want you to see if you can find your equal. Someone who's a better fool than you are. 
<coughs> someone who is more fool than you are, someone funnier than you are, I want you to find it. When you come back, I want you. To, when you find him, I want you to give him this rod, this scepter, and tell him it's for me. I want the biggest fool in the whole world to have this scepter. The fool began his journey. He went from country to country, from fool to fool. He found no fool bigger than he was. He found no fool funnier than he. Days became weeks, and weeks became months, and months became years, and years multiplied. And finally the fool returned home to the king who owned him. He had the scepter in his hand. He walked into the king's palace, asked for the king's whereabouts. Somebody said, the king is in bed, not well. He goes to the king's bedside. He says, Your Highness, I have finished the trip. The king looks up and he says, Did you find a bigger fool than you? And the fool looked and said, Your Highness, what's wrong with you? And the old king said, I'm dying. I'm going to take a trip. A trip into, into, the, into the unknown. A trip that I've never taken. You want to take once. The fool looked at his king and he said, Your Highness, what provisions have you made for this trip? Have you planned and prepared for this trip? And the king looked up to his fool and said, no, I have not. I'm taking a trip to death into eternity. I've made no plans. I've made no provisions. When the fool heard that statement, he took out the scepter and gave it to the king and said, Your Highness, you take the scepter. You're the biggest fool of all. The person that takes a good look at the devil's ship and says, how beautiful. Look at those boards made of the furs of Senior on Mount Hermon. Look at those masts made of cedars of Lebanon. Look at those oars made of the oak of Bashan. Look at those benches made of ivory from India. Look at that upholstery. Look at that linen from Egypt and fabric from Italy. Look at those strong giants who manned that ship. Think of those wise mariners who manned that ship. Think of those courageous men who manned that ship. What a time we're having! What a time! Live it up, gang! Live it up, gang! Live it up! And for a season, it's fun. <coughs> the thrill, the excitement, the fun, the laughter, the brightness, the bells, the frivolity. What a time we're having. Let's have the rock music, gang. Let's drink the wine glass. Let's have the needle. Let's live it up. Let's eat, drink it. What a time we're having. Brother, never anybody's ever boarded this ship without looking out across the sea seeing a dark cloud come. Nobody's ever boarded this ship without soon hearing the howling, whistling winds of storm, looking up and seeing a dark night decorated 
with a light of lightning and felt the old ship begin to shake and felt the old boards begin to break and crumble. And you find out. Life is wrecked and ruined. The biggest liar in the world is the devil. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Get off his ship today. Get on the old ship of Zion that keeps sailing along toward the land that is fairer than day. A few months passed. I became a paratrooper. I got a furlough. Couldn't afford to ride a plane or a bus or a train. I went out and hitchhiked home. On my journey home, I rode in the back end of a truck carrying bricks. Laid down bricks for my mattress and a brick for my pillow. And drove about 200 200 miles trying to sleep in the back end of an old truck on bricks. Hitchhiked again. People came, so I haven't got in a room. I said, you can can sit on on my boy's knee back in the back. I sat in an old bitty car, an Austin car. Some of you folks don't remember those. They were the forerunners to the Jeep. Austin car. Sit on the back, on 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 a guy's knee back in the back. They took me down the road to hitchhike again. Some young folks stopped me. I was a soldier. Young folks stopped me. And they had a girl that didn't have a date, and she wanted to entice me. And so when they stopped for a red light, I opened the door and took off running. And then I, uh, I, I rode in the back of trucks. I rode in pickup trucks. 1,500 miles I hitchhiked. I didn't have one decent ride on the whole trip. Miserable trip until I saw the city limit sign that said Dallas, Texas. Home. 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 I enjoyed the trip going best. I enjoyed the destination returning best. Get off the devil's ship. And get on the ark of God, made with the boards of Calvary, and sealed with the precious blood of Christ. Let us pray. Thank you for listening, and if you liked this please subscribe and consider liking my Facebook page and joining my group Jesus Answers Prayer.